but not just video that we produce. How can we get our brand, our product, our service, our business engaged in live video by our customers? All right, it's time for another episode of Grow the Dream. Today, content marketing is so old. <laughs> and not everything it's cracked up to be. Or, boom, boom. or is it? Uh, great chiropractor story today. Plus, your Facebook page has been friendzoned. Oh boy, more changes. All that and more coming up right now. Welcome to the most indispensable show for people doing the hard work of growing your business. It's the marketing podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Welcome to Grow the Dream. All right, welcome to episode 74. 74. Grow the Dream show. Oh, it's mackerels. It's just you and me today. It is. And uh, I feel like I have to throw in these little short little shots like that. Right, if you get too personal about it, though, I might shoot back. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> nah. So Josh is not here today. The millennial is, is out. So we're, we apologize. But today's views are going to be skewed uh, into the older older demos. <laughs> I like to think of it as the mature one. But sure. Okay. We can go sure, with older. Yeah, yeah there's that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's like Trump. We have to mention Brexit. You know, we have you, to. you can't you can't like you can't not talk about Trump. You have to talk about Trump. I think Brexit has to come up at least in, in one way. And it's going to come up in one way right now. Okay, do it. Okay. So Brexit, uh, our listeners must know, was uh, Great Britain leaving uh, the, the uh, European Union. They voted to exit. Britain, exit, Brexit. Get it? So they voted to leave. It's a clever hashtag. Uh -huh. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> the European Union. Uh, and it was a uh, like 52-48 vote. It stunned the world. Um, stunned everybody except that those of us are actually paying a little bit of attention about what's going on in the Western world as a whole. Um, and... Uh, what I found fascinating about it, though, was this little thing, a little story that I found. It was on, uh, it was like, uh, odwirepr.com. Um, it's just a, it's a PR company, but they have a ton of good news stuff on there. Um, and what, what they had was that the, the uh, PR firm and the campaign consultant there on the side of exit, on the side of leaving, it was vote to leave or vote to remain on their ballot. The vote to leave um, the EU side was a Washington D.C. Uh, firm uh, that uh, got the contract for it. It was uh, it's Goddard Gunster is the name of it. And so so wait, wait they did time. the PR for the Leave campaign. They did the PR for the Leave. Of campaign. course they did. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah, because we know about leaving the Great Britain, right? Of oh yeah, we, 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 we had our US. Brexit a couple hundred years ago. There's so many memes out there about Washington. Uh, you know. I, I, I did Brexit before it was cool, you know, type thing. Uh, you know, wa uh, George Washington. Yes. Doing, I not D.C. Right. But, uh, but also, I mean, also um, what was it? Um, uh, there was one, a meme on uh, uh, referring to Waterloo with that head a picture of Napoleon. And it has them saying Great Britain's been exiting, has yeah. been stopping. Breaking up European breaking unions. Breaking European <laughs> Union since 1815. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, isn't it, though? So... Okay, so you're 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 running a campaign to leave the EU. You're a British person. You're a British organization, whatever. Right. And you have the budget and the means to hire any PR firm in the world. Right. So they actually vetted um, firms all over the world, and they chose um, they chose Goddard Gunster, which ha has managed some pretty big campaigns. They did the Harry and Lewis campaign that killed the '90s healthcare reform. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been around. They've done some big-time stuff. Harry and Louise, wow. I know. That goes back, doesn't it? So they, Man, they, where were they a couple years ago? <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so they did that. But here's what else is fascinating to me. Yeah. On the Remain side, 
Apparently, they cast the net wide, too, and they came up with a, a bunch of President Obama's former campaign team. Jim Messina was their lead strategist. So you have both sides. The campaigns running both leave and stay were both U.S. <laughs> campaign PR companies. And and That's I, just fascinating I guess to if me. you want to manipulate the public, you know that Washington, D.C. is <laughs> No <worth> place better. <laughs> no place better than yep, oh, the cesspool geez. of Washington to find the very best at manipulating the masses. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's not unbelievable. It's just kind of funny. So. I'll tell you what, though. they uh, It sounds like that the Leave people really kind of uh, kicked their butts on social media, too. They were having Facebook. I mean, they have 800,000 supporters on Facebook, but they were getting um, up to... Um, actually, as they say, exceeding 20 million people for posts on Facebook. All right, so we're going to talk about... And that will segue Yeah, later. but not yet. We're no, gonna, yeah, later, later on today, uh-huh. we, have a, we have a really important story about what's going to happen to your po- uh, posts from your Facebook page. And whether this would even be reproducible in the yeah, future. Yeah, it might not be. Right. <clears throat> I mean, just in time for the U.S. election. Hey! Well, anyway, we'll come back to that. So, uh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> squirrel! Squirrel! Um, so, no, the, the, the second story that, that we have for the news is, is actually much, much more disturbing. Yes. Um, that was just interesting. This is actually weighty. I, I actually find the Brexit story disturbing, but this is much more disturbing. <laughs> yeah, I, I just chuckle at it. So a court has ruled in in this uh, in in this case. The case itself is tragic, um, but but the but a court now has ruled that the FBI does not need a warrant to hack your computer. Uh, and and the, the the basis of this case, and, and of course, I, I don't want to spend any time. Like I would spend zero time on the child pornography case that this this is based on, because except to say that it's the perfect case to get the camel's nose under into the tent. Yeah, if you're looking for an excuse to say that information contained on private personal computers is actually not private at all, then right. this is the one to choose. So you know, kudos to whatever moron decided that this was going to be the case. I mean, I, 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 I'm, in my opinion, they needed to prosecute this guy and, and whatever else. But anyway, here's the deal: the basis of the court ruling is on it. It, it all hinges on this theory called broken blinds. You, have you heard of this this idea of broken blinds? Yes. All right. So the idea is that look, if a law enforcement officer is coming by your house and you're doing something illegal inside your house. So normally they would have no way of knowing that there's something illegal going on in your house. You have the blinds pulled, but your blinds are broken. They don't work quite right. So the officer wandering by can see you manufacturing a bomb or growing cooking, weed. Cooking meth. Cooking meth, whatever. And, and he spots it and he goes, oh, well, now he doesn't have a warrant to enter your house, which normally he would have to have, right? But because your blinds were broken, he could see in. And he goes, ah, you're doing something illegal in there. And so that gives uh, law enforcement an end around uh, to overcome the hurdle of getting a warrant. Right. And also for discovering what you're doing on your, in your, in your, in your, because the Supreme Court has ruled over and over that entering a premises on one basis and finding some other crime is problematic unless the first reason you were there bore out. Right. So. Anyway, it's it's all it's it's a messy thing. So this is going to set a court precedent now, and the and the theory is this: well, your computer's hooked up to the internet, and hackers can get in, so therefore your blinds are broken. So the FBI can hack your machine, and it's it's your fault because your blinds are broken. But in reality, what this court ruling suggests is that everybody's blinds are broken, and therefore we don't need a warrant anymore. Right, and they're broken because of the FBI's ability to hack into your computer. Exactly. 
Actually, your blinds aren't broken. This is more like they are breaking your blinds. Well, I see it that way, and I think a lot of other people do. The EFF issued a really uh, strong rebuke, um, and they called this a dangerously flawed decision. Uh, and it was un- only unsealed recently, so I'm actually not clear when the decision was made. I think we made. should also point out that this is um, that the judge was a, it's a U.S. District Court judge. So this is, in the federal courts, this is low level. This is totally appealable and can go up higher, can be overturned. It's, it's one judge. It's, it's a troubling ruling, but it's just one judge. And it is problematic because that's how this crap starts. That's exactly how it starts. And now, you know, but, but that, that, that does set precedent. Unless it's appealed upward, that is the precedent now that can be followed. Yeah, exactly. So somebody, other it's courts, not going to be the U.S. government, somebody's got to um, choose to appeal it. Which is why we somebody as... Somebody was standing, Right, too. and we as citizens have to get behind initiatives to fight crap like this, because otherwise, uh, you know, this, this kind of stuff is going to become the law of the land. Um, the de facto law, because the courts are, are, are creating de facto laws. Anyway, oh, yes. I would encourage you to well, check That's a whole different story. It is. We're going to link out to the Electronic Frontier Foundation. The EFF is the organization I mentioned. Uh, you know, if you're not supporting the EFF, it, you might consider it, at least look at what they do. Um, I, I actually do support the EFF, and I'm, I'm a believer because they're, they're defending, as, as their slogan says, defending your rights in the digital world. Um, I don't know what other citizen organization. I'm sure the ACLU will probably get behind a fight on this one. I don't know who else, but it's it's um, uh, ADF might last defending freedom. Yeah, their possibility. So we'll see, and I hope that I hope that it gets fought. But um, but as of right now, this does seem like though this does seem like a classic for the ACLU. Yeah, it does, uh-huh. and, and and I think rightly so in, yeah. in, in that particular case. So uh, in, in in sort of more business related news. Um, the number of people who will be blocking ads is expected to double this year. So, um, based on what? Well, this is a story in eMarketer.com, and they are. Is that because of the ease in doing it to some degree? I think part of that is true. I think the the frustration. So, you know, a lot of people block ads not necessarily just because of the ads, but now because of the malware, right? And other other things going on. So. Uh, they estimate, according to this story, um, they're they're estimating that 69.8 million Americans will be using an ad blocker uh, in 2016, which is a jump of 34.4 percent over last year, and um, and they figure next year it'll grow another 24 percent. So, is this uh, mobile, desktop? What are we talking across here? the board? Here. All of them, and that's got to be one of the driving factors because, of course, ad blocking was not possible on iOS devices. Right, exactly. And, that's relatively new now. Yeah, so it is now possible, and. Um, uh, they're, they are talking about uh, both mobile and, and uh, sort of desktop and laptop devices. So that'll be interesting. If, if, if this bears out, then 25% of Internet users will be blocking ads, more than 25%. Right, and what this suggests really is um, In the why, US. why things such as content marketing are all the more important because that you, know, you don't need to uh, buy an ad, have it displayed, have somebody block it and not see it. You know, um, right. self-selecting out the market you want to reach um, with ad blocking and all, where you can just when it's more organic, as in content marketing. I think this is a blow more toward Google than it is toward Facebook, though. Uh, in, you know, when you look at where businesses spend money to buy ads right now. Oh yeah. Um, because you're not going to be able to block the Facebook ads. Right. You know, they look like content. Right. So um, at least I, I, you know, I'm actually not tried any ad blockers. So uh, I, I think that what I'm saying there is true. I don't think there's any way to block Facebook ads. Uh, I guess I could be wrong about that. I should probably uh, 
check into that before I speak authoritatively as if I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think because I use an ad blocker on, on Chrome on my desk, on my sure. laptop. Yeah. Um, and um, boy, I don't. I don't think about it. I don't think I see ads on Facebook. In this story, uh, Paul Verna, who is an analyst at eMarketer, is quoted. He says ad blockers typically don't work on apps, which is where users spend most of their mobile internet time. Okay. So, so if I'm looking at if I'm on Facebook on my laptop, it actually might block them. But if I'm on, he's on my yeah, phone, he wasn't spotless speaking not. so much to Facebook, but um, right. But I wonder if that's the case. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So, ad blocking is coming up. So, you know, it's another reason why we need to be thinking about content marketing, which. Rod, I think is just a beautiful segue into our next dun, 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 dun. item. We're going to skip the breaks today. We've been doing breaks for a while. Yeah, we're going break free here. We're, we're going break free. We're running free without Josh. We're Josh free. We're break free. Uh-huh. And we're just going to keep this ship we're, rolling. We're going to rock and roll. Yeah. All right. So um, I think this story is everything it's cracked up to be, actually. <laughs> Boom. <Ba-dum-boom. laughs> were you just waiting? To I do was. That? I was just, yeah. You know, oh, man. man. All right. Well, this story is out of the entrepreneur. Uh, magazine and it, it's basically on uh, the the headline is actually very good. It's not clickbaity. It's just a good headline. My old school chiropractor is better at marketing than most entrepreneurs, and I think they could have actually goosed that up a little. My my old my old school chiropractor is kicking the butt of you know app entrepreneurs. He's really well aligned with his oh uh, man. His market. I, I I could keep it going. Just keep I, no, coming, stop, doesn't it? Just yeah. it's keep a, this coming. is a fun story though. Would you I just adjust it. your attitude about this, please? Yes. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> okay, now we're done with those. Okay. All right, so so this guy has, um, he's writing this story in uh, an entrepreneur, and uh, chiropractor comes to the office, and he does, what would you call it, a lunch and lesson, lunch and learn? A lunch and learn, A yeah. lunch and learn, okay. No, so that's comes, not what the, the author calls this. No, it's not what yeah. the author calls it, but, but that's what, what David it is. calls it, right. Yeah. So he comes, and he's a, he's a classic chiropractor. He gives healthy Subway lunch and bottles of water to everybody, you know, at it. And he has a healthy in air quotes. Yeah. Air quote healthy. Yeah. Uh, if you can't see that on the podcast, that's what we're doing over here. Air quoting. Our well, since we haven't away. published a video podcast in weeks, he says, um, <laughs> he, also then he offers a chance to win a $200 dinner. Um, if they give up their, you know, phone numbers and email addresses and the chance are one in 25 in the office. So pretty much everybody did. Right. Um, so, so this guy goes in, he pitches these people in a high-stress environment about healthy living. He provides them with an air quote, healthy lunch. Um, and then he manages to um, get all of their uh, addresses and uh, contact information there so that he can then get on, they can be on his email list. They have met him personally. They know him personally now. Um, he's been able to make his pitch in a very optimal environment to them. And, uh, and it was just this guy saw it as just the perfect sort of content marketing. The guy got everything he wanted out of it. Now he says, "Now I'm getting, <laughs> um, now I'm getting his email. I got a, uh, the line." Well, let me he, let me tee that up. Tee so up the line because so it was yeah hilarious. yeah. So so he, so the chiropractor's content was it included PowerPoint stuff. Everybody's sitting around the 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 place at work, and he told us sitting all day is killing us. The foods we are eat is giving us are, are, are giving us cancer. Realigning spines is the is the way to fix the nerve damage to our hearts, digestive systems, and all the other cells in our bodies. And he had literature with scientific research. Okay, then the guy responds and he says, "I work twelve to eighteen hours a day in a fast paced, stressful marketing environment. I eat a crap diet because I'm stressed out, and it makes me feel better to chow down on pizza instead of vegetables. Well, and duh. when I'm not sitting at work." I'm sitting at home to watch TV before bed because I'm tired and don't want to think anymore. <laughs> right. And, and may, really, how many people listening to us right now can totally connect with this Every guy? marketer who, who doesn't have a stand-up and, desk? And, I, yeah, and <laughs> really, and every small businessman, every entrepreneur. I mean, so many people are and in that And small business woman. Yeah. Uh, small business, yeah, a small business person. 
you. I'm just, you know, I'm here to help. Small business owner? Yeah. Bus- or just business owner. Because they might be a big business about, owner. Can we just coin a word like businesser? Something like that? <laughs> just make it asexual? Oh, entrepreneur? How's that? Nah. Well, no, no, they're not all entrepreneurs. Okay. All right. Anyway, so what did, the, what, what did he say about the daily email? So he says, yeah, so he's getting his daily email. Uh, now he gets the guy's daily email. And basically, I'm subscribed to his daily email blast where he reminds me about my impending death if I don't get my act together. And I just love that <laughs> love line it. because, uh, you know, so clearly this chiropractor has got inside his head a little bit and he probably does this. This is old school content marketing. We do it in a lot of different ways now and a lot of them are quite effective. But clearly this personal time commitment, um, face-to-face sort of content marketing, it can be very effective. I'll bet you this chiropractor just has endless amounts of clients. Well, I so here's what I like about Patience, this. Patience, I like, guess. Like, if you went in with a, just a lunch and learn, and you said, okay, here's 25 individuals. They all are not, you know, most likely all of them are not eating well. They all sit a lot. So That's what I say. So it's the perfect target audience. But think about this, though. If you just go in and you do that, what's your anticipated close rate on getting somebody to come to your office? Right. See, he, I don't think that it doesn't sound like he pitched them. No, no, no. I, that's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. So, like, if that's all you did was a lunch and learn, and you expected, well, I'm going to collect a few prospects' names... Um, so I can follow up and call them and see if they want to come in for an exam. Right. No. No. Not going to work. No, it's really not going to. So he didn't even go that route. He just went the route of getting their information so he could get on, so they would be, have, be subscribed to his email list. And all. So now he had a daily email prepared, and that's no small undertaking. So you think about, like, if you're going to have... committed to this. Yeah, if you're going to have the opportunity to get in front of some prospects, follow-up is, you know... But think and, if he's doing this every week. If he can line up something every week. 25 new new people that he added to his email list every right. week. And added them in such a personal way. This right. isn't sort of a generic adding of 25. You believe that, this guy. Because that right. sounds like a small number. But it's a well-targeted number. It's a well, you know, Yeah, if you manage to get 25 there. new, you'd have, you'd have 100 new subscribers every month. And again, I'm talking, these are quality subscribers. Right. This is what I feel like is important here. And that's know? only if you do one lunch and learn. Now, man, maybe you do some that are for smaller numbers or whatever. So that's why I'm saying just get 25 a week. But I mean, you know, over time that adds up. Now, it th- really does add up. I like the breakdown because this article was written by a marketer, right? So, right. It, you know, he talks about how that the uh, chiropractor, what you can learn, right? And, and what I said was, you know, the chiropractor is really, really well aligned with the target market. Uh, is actually true, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. So he talks about the customer personas. Where, you know, the, in their case, they're a fast-growing e-commerce store. Uh, so long hours, bad diets, high stress, repetitive warehouse injuries, and yuppies who were realizing they weren't 19 years old anymore. Uh, so that's funny. Uh, so who are your audience? You I know? didn't even know we used yuppie anymore, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think that it dates the author a little bit. Oh, maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because okay. because yuppies aren't 19 years old anymore. Well, that's the truth. <laughs> so and then he's you know get their attention. So the free meal, right? So the yep. chiropractor paid for the meal, right? And then he also uh, who doesn't show up for free lunch, right? I mean, I'm telling you, the lunch and learn idea is so great. Um, then so getting their attention was a big deal, and then uh, telling a good story to connect with the audience. So he he talked about before and after show, photos, which the chiropractor showed. He talked about stress at work, fatigue, neck pain, symptoms. All of these parts of the story were, were included in the, in the before and after pictures that the doc is showing. So everybody can identify with that if you sit all day, you know. Um, and uh, so a lot of story. So the story, I think, is a big part of this, right? Absolutely. Um, Always is. And then practical, repeatable steps. So I, I yep. know that what, what part of the deal was, he gave, the, the doc gave them some things they could do 
without coming to the chiropractor yep. to improve their again and and if they do if they work on some of those it's in their mind where they got that idea from oh man you know so again more content marketing there what's great here is that if in those 25 you might have a couple people that are you know dealing with something right now one of them might just might just be that person that immediately signs up, immediately calls the office, whatever. Right. Um, but most of them aren't, and he's not aimed at that. However, over the course of the next year, you could have a substantial percentage of those people as you're gathering 100 a month or so maybe, a substantial number of those people that start experiencing problems, health issues, whatever. And you're one of the things that's in their mind, one of the people, one of the options in their mind for dealing with it. So how can you do that for your target market, the people you're trying to reach? What can you do that will ingratiate them to you? You know, there's that old idea of the yep. law of reciprocity. So you gave yeah. them a free meal. You gave them some solutions. Uh, now, of course, in this case, from what he said, the chiropractor wasn't afraid to ask for the sale. So he offered a discount and challenged people to take the next step. So, so that's he went at every level. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that this is something that uh, people can consider applying to their own situation. You have to, obviously, you have to, rework it to whatever your industry is to who you're pitching and how it might work because not everybody is going after individual patients like this so it wouldn't right. always work at a company to do a lunch and learn type thing right. or or other type of but of, if you're b2b you can find where your yep. vertical markets gather themselves you can go to an industry trade meeting you can, I you mean, can all and, sorts and, of ways and maybe offer this. a little something special some way to sort of get their attention and provide real value yeah. in that personal setting, just like we talk about doing online, providing real value, provide real value in that personal setting um, and in return for just getting some information from them. You don't Absolutely. have to make a heavy pitch. And, and I, you know, even you back up a little bit and think about how the chiropractor got to lunch and learn, right? You call an employer, an HR department, you say, hey, look, your people are going to die because they're sitting all day. I've got some ways to help them. Or even first, hey, look, you want to reduce your health care costs? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> because that's a lot of employees are going to these health, um, you know, uh, health changes for their employer employees now. Of course. Yep. So I think it's a it's a fun story. We're going to link out to the entrepreneur story so you can read it for yourself. But I just uh, I really liked the the whole idea. I feel like this chiropractor has a a great story. Uh, and, uh, and the whole thing seems to be working. So speaking of Facebook, I know we talked about I was going to say, now you teed up a Facebook thing. Or actually, I did a segue for it uh, earlier. Yeah. And we are now segueing. Yeah, so here it is for real. So um, I, I, I kind of like this, this idea that your Facebook page has now been friend-zoned. Uh, it's, it's totally, the analogy totally breaks down immediately. <laughs> right. But uh, I think, I think it, it, it makes a pitch. Now, what, here's what's funny to me, Rod. So... Um, Facebook made a, a big announcement. Uh, so this was on June 29th, I guess. Um, and the big announcement, this is what's kind of unusual about this, is that they bothered to announce it. I mean, we all know that Facebook is making changes to the algorithm all the time right. that affects what people see. And, um, and so uh, Facebook makes a big announcement. Now, here's what's great about this. Two different uh, online publications, the New York Times and Marketing Land, took away completely different ideas from the same announcement. So think about how that works when, when you determine where you get your news from. Exactly. So the New York Times article says that the Facebook feed is now dissing news publishers and there will be no more news in the news feed. <laughs> right? Right. Uh, now, and Marketing Land was like, oh, your Facebook page's organic reach is going to be lower. Um, and, and so and, and they're, they're both right. They are. They're, they're both, both right. Accurate. It's the same uh -huh. announcement, right? Yep. Yeah. So here's what it, here's what it boils down to. Facebook has decided that its users, you and me, the people who go there all the time to look at stuff, right? Uh, and, and we all know that 
personal sharing has been dropping. Remember, we talked about this on an episode, I don't know, a month or two ago, a little while back now. Right. Facebook was facing a massive decline in the amount of individuals who were posting and, right. and sharing personally. Right. So this is one of, I believe, Facebook's reactions to this. And, and what they're doing is they're basically saying that in the news feed, which is the main place that people find content when they load up Facebook.com, if you go there right now, click Facebook.com, you're going to see your news feed. You're going to see the, the most recent posts. Those are going to include mostly stuff from your friends. Right. Uh, the people that you know. Right. As opposed to uh, pages of, uh, organizations or even people pages or company pages or issues pages. Yep. Yep. Now, uh, of course, you know, the the big answer to why they're doing this is obviously because this is what's going to keep the users there. Right. The users are seeing too much content that's irrelevant. So Facebook is tweaking this. How did they determine that? Well, uh, Facebook's data scientists are incredible. Right. I, I, I listened to a story uh, on a podcast, I don't remember the podcast. I'll have to look that up now. That um, it did just a fantastic job of breaking down the experiments that Facebook has conducted. So you might have seen this. I think we've even talked about this on the show. Uh, there were there were stories about whether Facebook could could um, cause people's moods to be more positive or more negative just by tweaking the algorithm. Um, Facebook. Well, that's not at all spooky. No, Facebook is conducting these experiments all the time. And so because they're conducting these experiments, they know that engagement goes up when they show more content from friends and family. Okay. Um, and so um, they have, uh, they've been doing this for a while. I mean, we all know that there were massive drop uh, three years ago now. It's been a while ago now. Right. When pages content, you know, uh, began to disappear. Right. When they, I mean, because this is, uh, I just find this all oh, sad for people who, worked so hard to build their pages following so they'd have this huge organic following um, of people and then Facebook changes the algorithm so that it drops from you know whatever a high percentage was down to like what 10% or something that they um, of the people that would see it and now you're even gonna lose that and the people that spend all the time and some of them actually paid for it um, but a lot just put a lot of sweat and hours into having good quality followers and all uh, too bad yep so Here's the, the, the one way that your content can stay in front of people aside from the pay-to-play uh, you know, game, which we're right. all familiar Now, you with. can always still, yes, you can all still pay, it for, pay for Facebook. Ads. Although m my theory is this will drive up advertising costs, right? Um, because if, if more, you know, if fewer pages are, are getting organic reach and they're aware of it, more of them are going to start spending more money. And well, this that is, wouldn't have anything to do with this decision. And this is why I also think it happens in the election cycle. Uh, because because <laughs> you and I both know all advertising rates go up oh, yes. when there's an election on. Because oh the gosh. demand is there. TV stations in competitive states in a national election. Newspapers. Yeah, but, but particularly radio, TV stations, right? they just mint money in those years. And in, in, in several months is all in It's those like years. Christmas for the rest of us. You know, the, 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 <laughs> like if you're a retailer, Christmas pays for the rest of the year. I'm pretty sure that election years pay for all the other things that TV stations exactly. do. I mean, they just, yep. you know. So, uh, but but I, I, I'm convinced that we're going to see a lot more between the local races, the state races, certainly the presidential election. We're going to see a lot, of, um, a lot of advertising on Facebook this year, more so than ever before. So anyway, that could be part of it. But here's the one thing you can do, uh, and that is get people to share your stuff. That's what I was going to say. Sharing still makes it organic, and then it's going into the site by friends. 
Yeah. So uh, I think the friends and family first do, so what's ethos. A, what's a strategy for that? Well, I, I think there's probably two major things that I think we can think about. One is that we have to um, we, we have to re-engineer our content production process to think about sharing. And so, uh, you know, if you, if you need a good example of that, our Brushy Bear show that we did a few weeks back with Brad Goss, mm-hmm. I'm telling you that that video still goes like crazy uh, that we that we talked about. Right. And that thing is uh, continuing to produce traffic, sales, and, and we're going to keep promoting it as long as it does. I mean, we're going to milk that sucker for all it's worth. And people are sharing it partly because they actually hit the share button, but also because they comment and tag their friends in the in the comments and so all of that looks like the kind of friends and family activity that makes this work now we're still goosing it with with ad dollars right so we're 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 pushing it in front of people but we've already proven that that content is shareable and and uh, and is engaging so you know engaging content is number one number two that i think is not even addressed in this in this marketing land piece although i don't think they necessarily address the, the shareability concept quite that directly. But um, the number two thing that I, that I think is, is going to be an item to watch is a more mass uh, marketing, mass distributed version of influencer campaigns. So um, we know that, that Facebook is banking on video for the future. All uh, video content as a whole is going to begin to... Um, outpace all other forms of content on Facebook. Uh, and I don't, I don't pretend to understand how that is going to play out over the long haul because I still think a lot of people watch Facebook videos with the sound turned off. But Facebook Live is a reaction to that. As, and, and, and it's taking off. Right. And Facebook is, is, has telegraphed oh to us that, they're, that, that, that Facebook Live is where it's at in the future. Well, it clearly is. I mean, if you, uh, if you go to... Uh, my little globe on Facebook, you know, it shows, um, what is it? How about notifications or whatever that is. Um, I don't remember what I, even that term is on Facebook, but we all know what the icon is, right? Yeah, now it's, it's, it's definitely like notifications. Every yeah. third or fourth thing in there is somebody going live. One of my friends doing something live or did live or whatever. It's amazing how quickly that has come to populate it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even with, um, I saw this this week, uh, this last week on a, on the trending. You know how they, they have the trending section on the right hand side. Yes. Um, one of the trending items had a little red live uh, indicator next to really? it last week, which which meant that not only was it a live video, but it was a trending live video. So I, I thought that was pretty fascinating, uh, and and I haven't seen it. I've only seen it one time, so I don't know if that was a test, if it's going to become more common or whatever. But regardless. Uh, live video is a deal. So as brands, how does that work? Well, I think we need to set up opportunities for live video. Um, and so, so, but you're, so we're going back to the, we've talked about this a, a few times in the last couple of months, and that's the, the hotness of video in general for, for, you know, for viral sharing, but not just video that we produce. In other words, like how can we get our brand, our product, our service, our business engaged in live video by our customers. So uh, maybe setting up opportunities for people to maybe, you know, like, I mean, here's just a rudimentary example, uh, setting up a contest, you know, post a live video featuring our widget and, um, you know, you'll be entered to win. And, you know, you got to use our hashtag or tag our business or whatever in the, in the, in the, uh, 
or our page in the in the in the content. And then that's just one example. Maybe events are another way. So like um, you know, if you did a lunch and learn, maybe encourage people uh, to to stream a section of it live. You know, like now you know I'm standing at your table. You go to Facebook Live right now, and you'll be entered to win our $200 dinner drawing. You know, so maybe it's a Maybe it's an interesting way to. Oh, that uh, would be an interesting way of, of combining both of those features. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm I'm literally just thinking out loud. Yeah. But it, it it's it's the kind of thing that you could you could imagine starting to occur. And again, I view it as kind of a mass version of the influencer strategy because with the influencer strategy, you're finding people who have an audience. Well, Facebook is telling us who has the audience. Everybody with a Facebook account has the audience. Right. Um, right. So really, it, it it's not like you need one or two large people right. at all at all actually that's almost not even that valuable what you need is a lot of everydays a yeah. lot of just friends and and maybe your everyday might have a really ridiculously engaging laugh and turn out to be chewbacca mama <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know right. uh but it's it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch again the, the 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 classic you know this article mentions the classic chicken and egg problem which is if nobody's sharing your posts then you know how how are your posts going to get shared <laughs> right right and so what was so the new york times though focused on it um regarding how it's cutting out media companies yeah. ability to post so what's i mean what's the issue there david well it's classic news media whining about news news not having its role in society See, that's not anymore. even news I mean, of course not <laughs> yeah definitionally and and, and 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 the first paragraph says it all for years facebook has courted publishers of all sizes asking them to depend more and more on the social media giant to expand their audiences now facebook has a new message for publishers tamp down your expectations oh my gosh that's a major that's whine. the that's the first paragraph of the new york times story on the same announcement so gives so, you some idea it does so it's interesting there though because publications are always writing from their point of view whether it's a newspaper or sure. whether it's a marketing publication or whether it's a social publication or whether it's bob's blog everybody it's they're all written from a point of view i think that the lesson here to some degree in the two examples you gave is how important it is that we actually be wise curators of our own reading habits boy isn't that the truth uh, we can get easily siloed into what we're reading and not really understand a broader picture of something so in other words here i just look at this quickly and considering our conversation we just had the last few minutes and it seems to me like the new york times the old gray lady totally misses the boat because they're in a silo thinking method but you know what? They're probably reading a bunch of other publications just like theirs. Their connections are in that silo. And totally. So for I mean, so for our listeners here, there is real value in looking outside the silo to really sort of um, not only get a broader understanding of an event or you know a change such as this, but also a broader way of approaching your own business and your own marketing. It's true. Now, one thing that I will say about their um, whining about news is that they, they cite the Pew study from uh, not that long ago that uh, suggested that 44% of adults in the U.S. regularly read news content on Facebook. So I don't know that that proves that those people only get their news from no, Facebook. No, it doesn't. It's specific. I think I remember that one. And But it, the number that only got it was like 12 or 15%. Yeah, and I, I, th I think we still use a lot of television. I think, obviously, we don't use the, the, the print newspaper as much anymore. So We don't know. use the print one, but the thing is, is that a lot of these publications, and I was just having this conversation with somebody this very week, because and, and the question being, is the news media still relevant in a social media world? Um, where mo more and more people are getting their 
their information from Facebook, from Twitter, from those sorts of things. And, and I say yes, because in a sense, those are actually aggregators of it. They're almost like the um, a whole new modern version version of the old Drudge Report or something. Right. Um, because there's still there's the original generators of the news, which are still going to be basically some form of reporters. You know, well, whether unless they're, reporters they're the copy or and bloggers or whatever. Right. right. And th- there can be that and all, too. But yeah, there can be pe- people who aren't going to actually uh, rightly cite things. But an awful lot of it is going to still be originally reported by the New York Times or by the Huffington Post or by Newsmax or somebody. And then it's going to be shared in social media. So um, according to a study that was cited in this New York Times piece, 40 percent of referral traffic to news sites comes from Facebook. So, yeah. okay. the largest single source of referral traffic to news sites. So what does this change do to that? Exactly. That's, that's that's interesting. So that's why the New York Times is whining. So first of all, uh, Facebook has been telling us you got to use instant articles and these other you know ways of getting your your content distributed directly to Facebook users, and then we're going to pay you a percentage. Now Facebook is saying, yeah, but we're really not going to show that very much. So and and if you're forty percent of if your biggest single source of referral traffic starts to reduce. So with this referral traffic, when it, that number that it comes from, is that all referral traffic? So that would include anything that they advertise or anything too, right? Uh, I wouldn't count ref- I wouldn't count ads in my referral. Okay, data. I wouldn't either. So, but so if they're not, then it seems to me it still comes down to getting people interested in it to share it. Because if if I'm interested in this New York Times, you know, take on it, I might share that, and then they still get the referral. So it still seems a little bit incumbent on them to make it interesting and well done. Correct. Yeah. And 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 so they're, you know, so the news publishers are facing the same challenge that we marketers who run business pages are facing, which is we have to make this content shareable. Right. And we're going to be outmoded if journalists really put their thinking caps on because journalists understand how to do this better than anybody, I would think. Good ones. Okay, so I just gotta, I just gotta mention this, David. Like this goes back to being careful how you read and curating your own reading. So on this uh, New York Times story, on the side is the related coverage. Here is six article, uh, five articles um, of related coverage in the New York Times on Facebook. Facebook, a news giant that would rather show us baby pictures. Um, next one at Cannes, the ad industry confronts the rise of Facebook. Next one, Facebook's bias is built in and bears watching. Next one, Facebook trending list skewed by individual judgment, not institutional bias. And finally, Facebook's troubling one-way mirror. Wow. So so here's the reason why Facebook needed to make this announcement publicly before they, they implemented the change. Because they wanted the media to have the opportunity to adjust to this before, before it happened so that they didn't get blasted when it did happen. Right, I guess. I think Facebook has a massive PR problem on their hands, and they may they, have started a war. Well, I'm not sure it's a war they can lose. <laughs> well, they have the they have the viewers. I mean, they have the audience. They, they have the audience. <laughs> You're right. But no, who would who in their right mind would want to enter into a war with Facebook? Yeah, it's like never start a land war in Asia, right? <laughs> uh, exactly. Never start a digital war with Facebook. Except uh-huh. that, I mean, you know, there was a time when we had different social networks, you know? Right. So I think that, you know, everybody knows that Facebook's days are, are numbered unless they continue to reinvent themselves. And this is, of course, a part of that evolution. But 
I don't know. I, I think I think six months from now, we may be looking back on this with a completely different perspective. If Facebook can't encourage more people to share content, remember, I mean, this is all a reaction to the decline of personal sharing. True. Uh, if they can't find a way to get that to happen, then this this might not matter. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, by no means am I dropping the Facebook is dead. <laughs> no, know? please, uh, right? But uh, it, 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 it's, 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 a, it's a challenge. It's facing challenges. So uh, that's that's one thing we know is that we live in an era of disruption. Boy, and now that Facebook is becoming this large dominant sort of force, it's almost like based on what we've seen over the last say thirty years, but certainly last fifteen years. It's almost that it's just ripe for a new disruptor. No idea what that might be or how that might look or anything, but it almost seems ripe now that Facebook is actually kind of maturing in a sense. I think this also lends support to an idea that we've kind of pounded the drum about in the past, which is you have to own your own content. Mm. You can't just publish on a Facebook or, a, or any other network. I think if you're a BuzzFeed, sure. That's working for you, right? Because they've mastered more more than probably any non traditional media company the the methodology of getting people to share their stuff, right? And uh, by the way, I it would be fun. I think the YouTube uh, clip is still up uh, from the BuzzFeed founder last year at Inbound, um, which was the conference in uh, Boston in September last year. Um, but his talk, um, Jonah Peretti, about how they got to where they are in terms of you know the business model and everything else is just outstanding. It is a it is a workshop in how to get people to share content. So I'm going to search search around and see if we can still find that talk on YouTube, and we'll uh, we'll post a link out to it if it's if it's available. Well, I find it interesting that in our two major issues we've been talking about here is uh, content marketing and sharing content, and how much of what we do comes back to valuable, well done, relevant content. Boy, it's it's funny you say that because you know, even the most recent tweaks to the Google search algorithm have continued to prove my point, which which I've been it was 10 years ago, Rod, that I first stumbled into content marketing using blogging. Uh completely by accident. Oh yeah. September of 2006, I think it was that I discovered WordPress for the first time. And I turned around and, and convinced a client to try it out. And a year later, this guy was having just unbelievable success in a small, local, specialty medical practice, you know. And, uh, you know, just just a, a complete fluke. I mean, <laughs> you right. know, on my part, I, 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 don't, I can't take credit for being a genius about it at all. Um, but in any case, it, you know, it's been working ever since then. And, 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 and the people who write content for the user, write to deliver value, and continue to do that, continue to get ahead. And, uh, and part of it is this. You, you, you gain skills along the way. Right. You know, it's not just that you're doing the right thing. It's that you steadily improve. Right. And, you have to. Yeah. And be, be a little bit adaptable. But, uh, but I guess part of my point is uh, to what you're saying there is that the mediums continue to change. Right. And alter and, you know, it reverberates and then there's a disruption and then it matures and then there's, it's always changing. But the content, dare I say it, remains king. Yeah. You know, it really does. It really does. And it's too easy to get carried away with the shiny object of the next new app or the next new social media or the next new thing and forget that the real meat of things is the content that we provide. 
Fantastic. Well, we would like to hear from you on what you're doing to make your content shareable and how you're going to react to this. And uh, also, of course, about the other things we talked about. We have a tool today. We do. We have a tool. And we have a tool that comes to us via one Josh Muccio in absentia. I got to tell you, Josh, thank you, man. I mean, he he actually gave us a tool to share today, uh-huh. even though he is not here. Yeah. I, I, I That just warms my heart. <laughs> it really does. Good. Because we sort of rely on Josh for the tool. We do. He's very strong at coming up with the newest tools. Yeah. So, and this one in classic Josh style. Can I say it? Can I say it? You say say it. it. Yeah. Tell us what it's called. It's called the effing amazing UTM builder. (laughs) Take it away, David. (laughs) So, uh, this is a company or a, 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 I don't know. I guess it's a company that's behind it. Um, But they've built a tool that uh, it allows you to be more effective at setting up your UTMs. So um, it looks like a Chrome plugin. Is that right? Yeah, this, this, I, there's a Chrome extension, but you can also go to effingamazing.com and okay. you can see what else they have. Okay. And it's, it's, it ultimately, it's all about attribution. So if you have content that comes back to your website, how do you know where it came from? Right? So they've built a tool. Uh, that allows you to build your UTM links. And if you're not familiar, I mean, I think most marketers today know what they are. But if you are still um, in the uh, 1990s and don't know what the the UTMs are, when you use Google Analytics in particular, and they're not the only ones that that, uh, that this works with, but when you use uh, Google Analytics, um, the UTM parameters are uh, are elements that you can include at the end of your UT uh, at the end of your URL that allow you to um, identify the source. So maybe you ran a particular campaign. Um, maybe there are certain you know, content, uh, keywords, uh, and so on. And, and so those UTM parameters you see at the, the end of these long URLs. Now, Google has a UTM builder, and um, it's uh, built into Google Analytics, and you can find it in there, and it's, it's not terribly hard to use. But this company has improved upon the traditional UTM building process and they allow you to set, uh, save some presets. There's some automatic um, components to how it works. This is kind of cool. It allows you to synchronize your UTM links that you build inside the tool with Google Sheets so that you have a way to track the UTMs. And I haven't really thought about that. I've got UTM URLs out there that I've put together for years, and I don't have a list of them anywhere. Oh, interesting. So well, that, that sounds like a valuable little... Yeah, that's Option. that's kind of neat. It also has a uh, Bitly integration, so it'll automatically shorten the URLs with Bitly. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so this looks like it's free. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Now the company does have a product or a service that they offer. So I'm not sure. Um, I guess maybe fnamazing.com is the website for. Yeah, yeah. yeah so is. they're a digital marketing team. I see. So they named their UTM builder after their business. So it's the F and amazing UTM builder. You can add it to Chrome, and we are certainly going to link out to it in the show notes for episode 74. Ooh. That means you can find episode 74 online at growthedream.com slash shows slash 074. Links out to every story we've talked about today uh, and link out to the F and amazing UTM builder. I think this has been a good show. Uh, and I've been, I've enjoyed being able to come back to the content is king thing uh, without Josh rolling his eyes. He might be doing that right now as he listens. But uh, at least we're not debating what content is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I know he agrees with uh, with what we're saying. Sometimes we just get on a sidetrack there. Um, so anyway, hopefully that uh, our our listeners will uh, 
We'll never forget that the primary job is to provide excellent content and secondary is providing it in an excellent way. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Uh, I do want to encourage you uh, that um, maybe you reach out to Josh this week and let him know you missed him on this week's episode. You can find him on Twitter at Josh Muccio. But these days he's all about the Snapchats. So I guess maybe hit him up on Snapchat. Sure, hit him up on Snapchat. There's an easy way to find his Snapchat. If you look at his Twitter profile, it's the link. Oh, there he's you go. actually changed his URL on on Twitter to his All right, Snapchat then. URL, which I think is kind of funny. That is. Uh, so uh, you can also find my esteemed colleague Rod Thompson on Twitter at Rod underscore Thompson. Remember, there's no P in Thompson. And you can find David Johnson at the David Johnson because he's the David Johnson. You know, I love it. All right, so hope you've enjoyed this episode. Love to hear from you. Um, let us know what you think about anything we've discussed. You can email us at show at growthedream.com. You can also hit us up on the Twitter at GTD Show. And we look forward to having you back with us next week for another great episode of Grow the Dream Show. Thanks for listening to the Grow the Dream Show. We invite you to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Get connected to our growing community, add your comments, ask questions, and listen to the archives on the web at growthedream.com show. Thank you.